Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome everybody, welcome back. We are delighted and thank you for joining us for this episode. This episode is going to be very interesting. We've got Jeremy Ryan Slate with us now. Jeremy is an entrepreneur, a media expert. He's author and CEO and founder of Command Your Brand. And he also has a book which is titled Unremarkable to Extraordinary or Extraordinary, however you might like to say it. So we're going to be talking about that. Now, Jeremy studied literature at Oxford University. Uh, so he's very well read. He's a former champion powerlifter that helps visionary founders to impact the world and better mankind through podcasting and new media so that you create trust and opinion leader status. So I'm sure many of you as leaders are going to be interested in hearing about how to use perhaps new new media and how Jeremy has grown his business to seven figures with a team of 15. And very recently, Podcast Magazine just included Jeremy on their 2022 40 Under 40 in podcasting list. So I feel that I am in the hands here of a podcasting expert. And so hopefully I'll get a few tips later on. But anyway, to focus on the podcast and today, thank you very much for joining us today, Jeremy. It's a delight to have you with us. Yeah, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's, It's funny. It's like... Um, you know, I'll be 35 in a couple of weeks and it's like, now the lists are 40 under 40. I guess I don't qualify for like anything 30 under 30 anymore. So it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure there's a, there's a, a 40, well, a 50, top 50 or the top 40. Anyway, <laughs> the fact is that you, you are recognized as a leader in your field and therefore you will have a very specific approach to leadership. Mm-hmm. So let's start off with what does great leadership mean to you? So there's a book I, I read every single year. And there's, there's actually two books I read every single year because I feel like you can get insight in them based on what's happening in the world, what's happening in life. Um, those two books are uh, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Um, and the other is um, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, and The Art of War, not because I'm like attacking anybody or crazy, but I think it's actually got some really great ideas on leadership. And I think really great leaders um, are people that are not going to ask you to do something they wouldn't be willing to do themselves. Um, they're going to be hard charging right along with you. Um, and they're able to put the vision there because I think the vision is really, really important to help people be able to see like where the ship is headed. Uh, so to me, that's what great leadership looks like. And what the other book, what was the name of that? Um, it's Atlas Shrugged uh, by Ayn Rand. Um, and uh, she basically has this kind of like dystopian future world where um, when they stop rewarding people for like creating things and and whatever the people that create things are like well, we're going to go build our own society it's a, it's a very interesting book but there's you get different viewpoints of things every time you, you read them do you think we're stepping into that right now <laughs> i really hope not <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really I, I was i was saying to somebody yesterday i was doing an interview yesterday i'm like 
you know, I'm getting really worried because to me, I think George Orwell might 1984 be a warning, not a, not an instruction manual, guys. We need to chill out here. <laughs> but do you think the world of leadership is changing and needs to change? I, I think it does. And I, I think part of the problem is I think people like in leadership roles tend to throw their own think on things out there a lot of times rather than like seeing like, well, is this what everybody wants or is this what people support or, you know, kind of where's the direction things are going? Um, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful because I feel like I'm starting, we're starting to see a lot of that change. Um, but I think as a whole, I think, um, you know, leaders of organizations just need to do a better job, kind of know what the temperature is and, and, and making sure we're, we're involving people in it. And what does you say, you know, you're hopeful, you can see some changes. What are the changes that you're seeing and what are the changes you want to see? You know, one of the big ones um, is, is language and the way that like, because um, you, you think of like the way business were talked about 50 years ago and like, you know, swearing at work and, you know, aggressive and things like that. And I think it's more of we're learning we have to treat people like people. And I think that's really, really important. And to me, that's a really big deal. And you're going to get a lot more out of somebody, um, you know, with, with uh, sugar than you are with lemons. And I think that's what we really have to, to think as leaders is, you know, how can we get people excited to be involved in what we're doing rather than like penalizing them? Like, like here's a really great example. Um, I have a friend um, runs a very successful um, electrical contracting business, but he had trouble with his employees showing up to work on early. So he goes, well, I'm going to start penalizing them. Like, well, they're either going to get upset and not come to work or what's going to happen. I said, so this is what you do. You create a bonus system where if they come to work on time every day for 30 days in a row, they now get a bonus for all those days they were here. He's like, oh, that's great. So he implemented that. And guess what? Everybody shows up to work on time now and they're getting paid more. That's a great deal. That's a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you describe your leadership style? And, and perhaps with that, has it evolved as you've been growing your business? Yeah, I think it has substantially because I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, as I mentioned, like I'm somebody with a big academic background. So I wasn't really somebody like, you know, number one on my sports teams and kind of like, you know, leading the ship and things like that. I was always somebody that liked, you know, I was very, you know, bookish and, you know, I like producing things and I enjoy a good project and there's nothing I like better than, you know, 12 hours in a room with the door shut and working on coding something. So for me, I had to get really good at figuring out how to get people on board with what I'm doing. So the thing that I've tried to do as a leader is I found that it's really important to explain your thinking and your reasoning behind doing a lot of things because then people are going to get excited about it. So to me, it's about like putting the vision there so people can see where they're a part of it. Um, so I don't know if that's really a leadership style, but to me, it's really helping people to understand like where we're headed, why we're headed there and what their part is in it. And I think far too often people don't consider that um, and people get really excited to be a part of something that's bigger that they understand what their part in it is. So how do you, Jeremy, how do you get that kind of spirit in the business where, okay, you've got your vision and people are buying into it. Do you mm -hmm. have remote teams these days or are they working in an office? We've been remote since we started. Um, okay. We've been, we started in 2016 and we've always been remote. Um, so we've, you know, number one is just having a weekly staff meeting. And not, not every company does that, but every Friday, we do ours on Friday morning because I find if you start, the, start on a Monday, you're already wasting Monday. Um, and Fridays aren't usually that productive. So we start and we do all of our team meetings on a, on a Friday morning. 
Um, and we run our business by statistics. So everybody has a statistic they're responsible for in their part of the company. So we usually open up our meetings with, you know, talking about the company purpose. You know, we help visionary founders through the power of podcasting to change the world and better mankind. And, you know, everybody plays a part in that. We always open the meetings with that. And then we go through uh, each person presents their statistic, what they're doing to better their statistic. Um, and, you know, if there's been any collaboration in that, who helped them with that or, or, or whatever it may be. So to me, it's, it's just been that. We also run um, a team WhatsApp thread, which has been really cool as well. So everybody can engage there, talk about wins, talk about client wins. Um, every time a salesperson closes a sale, that goes in the thread too to get people excited. So it's kind of letting people see the involvement of everybody else in the team. Um, is it perfect? No, we're remote, you know, so it's not always perfect, but we try to do our best to create that office environment given that we're remote. Um, well, I guess you might not believe in it being perfect anyway, because that feels like a waste of time, almost. <laughs> <laughs> we, we try to do that, and, and we're trying to always improve on that too. And this is something I was talking to somebody about yesterday. I think when you get to a point where you're like, well, we're the best. Well, that means you probably stopped working at becoming the best. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, when you're, you're looking at creating systems for your team is we're always constantly trying to improve because there's always, um, you know, there's always a better that can be achieved. Um, there's a quote by Vince Lombardi, who I'm a huge Green Bay Packers fan. He's my favorite coach. And I'm totally going to butcher this, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. Um, and he says that, you know, we're going to go for, we're going to go for perfection, knowing that perfection isn't possible because in that, in, in that quest, we're going to find excellence. And that's what it's always about, right? You go for it knowing that you're always trying to, you know, you're going to come short, but at least getting there, you're going to do some incredible things. Well, that's an interesting quote because my view is slightly different to that. And it's interesting maybe to debate it. We must get back into leadership, but <laughs> yeah. I'm stuck on this point. Um, I'm really good at, at going down rabbit holes. So I apologize. <laughs> no, no, uh, my view is that, well, perfection isn't really needed. Yes, we've got to strive to be better every day that's, that's yeah. uh, what we should do but striving for perfection I think it's about getting it out there and testing and reworking and changing and doing that a goal of perfection I don't know that doesn't feel anyway well, but, well I, I look at it from this perspective right like you know maybe your version of perfection is different than my version of perspective pers uh, wow tongue twister difference of, uh, is different than my vision of per or perfection. And so because of that, if we're each going for our own version of perfection, um, you know, like it's not like perfect isn't attainable, but if we're trying to be the best we can be at what we're doing, yeah. like, I think you can achieve some pretty incredible things. I agree with that point um, completely. What have been some of the big lessons from, for you, Jeremy, in growing your business? So you started in 2016, mm -hmm. you've grown it to seven figures. I'm sure you know, you still, have you got big goals to continue to grow? I would imagine you have, but I shouldn't make that assumption. Yeah, no, it's, it's always, the, the goal is always growth. You know, we want to, we want to double what we did last year. Like it's, Brilliant. we've, we, we were up, you know, um, you know, 70 something percent like last year. And then we grew 60% up the year before, but before that, but the goal is really to double this year, because I feel like the thing that we did when COVID hit is we kind of saw this as an opportunity to take everything we're doing and make it better and optimize it. So I'm very big on systems. So everything we build in our, our, our company is, you know, A happens and B happens and C happens and D happens. And I think a lot of times people don't consider that when, you know, they write a process. So we really took this time to work on our employee training, work on our processes, work on production. So because of that, I think we're really set up 
in the way that, you know, we can double this year and we're, we're on target to do that. So for me, that's, that's really our, our goal this year. Okay. Well, all the best with that. We're going to make that happen. But what have been, what's been the biggest challenge for you as a leader growing a business? I'll tell you what, and, and you, you've probably heard this from a lot of people, especially like when I started, I've gotten better at it, but like, I'm never perfect at it. And I actually, my wife yelled at me for doing it again today. So it happens. Um, and, and that's the, the idea of delegating. Um, I was really, really bad at initially giving jobs away to people. And that kept us small the first two years because, you know, I wasn't willing to hire somebody to do different tasks. I was overworking myself, you know, work until 10, 11 o'clock at night, which is ridiculous. Um, and, you know, we, I've gotten a lot better at doing that. Uh, was there any particular thing I can point to that made me better at that? No, it was just saying like, okay, do I really need to be doing everything I'm doing? And then we even had one of our meetings last week where um, my head of marketing was like, and you're still doing that. Why? Like I should be doing that for you. So we're, we're trying to get better at that. And it's, it's a constant battle because personally, I'm a tinkerer. I like to work with technology. I like to work with different things. So the biggest thing I have to stop myself from doing is, you know, doing things I shouldn't be. Um, the, the thing I mentioned today is we, for years, I've kind of sworn off a of TikTok and now we're finally like doing it. And I've been messing around with it the, the last like four hours on like brand content. And my wife's like, that's our marketing team's job. You need to stop doing that. Um, so for me, it's getting better at delegating. And I think that's, that's a really big leadership thing because if you can empower other people to do something, you know, even 75% as well as you could, you're going to find because their time and attention is on it, they're going to do a better job. Whereas if you're, you're dispersed looking at a bunch of other things, it's going to be hard to produce something. Yeah. And, and how have you actually been able to delegate it? I mean, there may be our listeners who are growing a business, have started their business doing everything. Mm -hmm. That's how it starts. And then you bring in people to help you. How have you been able to kind of release that and pass that delegation on? And what tips might you share with our listeners who, might be in the same place. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to start with a story on this. Um, I hired my first salesperson five years ago and I'm like, all right, you're the salesperson. And you know, he kept calling me like once an hour, like, Hey, what do I do now? And what do I do now? Okay. This happened. What do I do now? And the biggest thing I learned is when you're going to give someone a job, the job has to fully exist and exist where it doesn't depend on you. So the, the thing that we actually got really good at is documenting every single thing that that person does in a job. So every position in my company that we currently have, I've done that at some point in time. So I know what happens in it. I've perfected it as much as I can. And my, my team has made it better after they've taken those jobs over. But we write down every single step of what they do during their day. And it's done in two different forms as well, because people have different modalities, especially since we're a digital company. Um, everything's in written form. And also everything's in video form as well. So that, you know, if somebody's better with video or better with the spoken word, they can get it that way. If they're better with reading it, they can get it that way. Um, but we've really gotten good at not just even writing down the steps and the things people do during the day, but like also like, how does that person have to be? How should they approach problems? How should they approach their day? Oh, they answer the phones. Well, somebody that answers the phone should be courteous, should be kind, should be thinking about how can I solve someone's problem on the other side of the phone. So we've gotten really, really good at writing down every single thing that person needs to know. And even the things they should be reading, the websites they should be visiting, the different things they should be doing. And when you can really get that off your plate, you're going to be able to empower somebody. But if you're not, you're going to find, you know, just like I did with that salesperson, your phone's going to be ringing a lot or, you know, your messages are going to be getting pinged a lot. 
whatever it is. So you have to really make sure you, when you put together a job posting or, um, you know, like a, a write-up for a job in your company, you write down everything. Like it's so vital. I love the fact that you also capture how they need to behave. It's important though, because people don't think about that at all. Right. Like, like let's, let's look at it this way. If somebody called your, your company as a new prospect and you know, your reception pick up the phone, like, what do you want? Are they going to want to call back? Like that's like, those things are really important. Right. Or um, like uh, I was, we, we hired a new salesperson. And one of the things we added to our sales training is after you send somebody a follow-up email, you also send them a text message because Google's gotten a little crazy with their spam filters recently. So if you send attachments, a lot of times it's ending up in a spam box and that person may be like, well, that person didn't follow up with me. So now you need to take the extra step of sending a text message. So it's yeah. all these different things you, you find in the, in the course of your day and even like how they have to be is so important. Yeah, it reminds me of a story, which I think is just worth a minute to share. Yeah. This is a, a very large retailer in the UK and they put some litter in the reception area and they filmed who picked it up as they came in in the morning because part of their values is to keep the, the office clean and tidy. Yeah. And one person picked up the litter. And, and how long did it take? Did it take like a long time for it to happen? I think it took a long time because the one person <laughs> that picked it up was the chief exec. <laughs> But that, but that's, that's, but that's important too, because that shows a lot of responsibility for your area, right? Like if the, yeah. the way a group succeeds, right. Is by the group mem members of the group taking responsibility for the group. And it's a simple simplicity of picking up trash. Yeah, absolutely. We had um, uh, a very vocal um, person on our podcast who has some very strong views about leadership. And his view is that um, over with the fourth um, industrial revolution, and AI, we are going to see 70% of a manager's role and tasks being handled by AI. And therefore we are going to have a very different structure in our businesses going forward. Um, and managers really aren't going to exist. So I'd be very interested to get your views on that. Oh God, I really hope not. Um, I just, I like, because here's the thing you got to think about, right? You know, AI is never going to know if you just got a divorce. AI is not going to know if, you know, your kids are sick. AI is not going to be considering if, you know, you're somebody that takes more encouragement to, to get a job done. Like to me, like, I just, I don't know if you're ever going to replace that because it's, th there's something so innately human that's needed in those jobs to be able to actually like connect with somebody one-on-one -on -one and actually, you know, get some great production out of them. And I think if you, you take that out, like, I just, I don't see that how that would, that would ever work unless we become like, you know, the movie Terminator. Like, I just, I just don't see how it works because they're just, there's so many important human qualities that a good manager should be considering. I just, I don't see how that happens. I think I've been a little bit unfair to you uh, in a way, because I think I've been trying to be a little bit more provocative than I should have been. I think it's about changing from being a manager to being a leader. And okay. Being more of a coach and really making the focus on developing people, developing teams, Support. I had a totally different thought process on that. I thought it was going to be like this, like algorithm that's like, nah, did Rebecca work today? She did not. Let's go to her house. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that would be a little weird for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think it's like a whole person approach, right? Like you're talking about. And I think when, when we're looking at it, a lot of times we were, we were looking at work, we're saying a lot of these problems get left at home, but here's the thing. People bring that to work with them, right? So they need assistance in a lot of these different areas. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that 
um, our HR team has done a really, really good job in, right? Like, you know, making sure like we handle the whole person as much as possible, but it's important to set the groundwork for that. Like, Hey, um, and our corporation, you know, or our company, we like, we, we like to see ourselves as a big family and we want to be able to help you with things that are going on in your life. You have to be okay with that because we can't force you to tell us things you don't want to tell us. Right. But we're here to help and we're here to make this a safe space for you. So I think it's really important to run things that way, but you have to set the ground rules because at the same time, like people only have to tell you what they want to tell you. Right. So I, but I do think we have to approach the whole person because that person comes to work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They're giving you their time. And I think it's about respecting that and respecting them as an individual, isn't it? And, and having them play their part in the business. It's not a it's not a push down from the top. It's more of we're in this together. And how do we make this the best it can be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a really great book. Um, I can't remember the author's name, but the book is called Taking People With You. Um, and it's it's the idea of, you know, what you're talking about there about you know, enabling people to be a part of this team and, and kind of be a part of the journey rather than like, okay, well, it's top-down leadership and this is what I say and why the heck didn't you do it and, and blah, blah, blah. Like, it, it's important to look at it that way. Do you agree, Jeremy, with the statement that as leaders, we're always learning? We should be. Um, if we're not, it's a big problem, right? Because if, if you think you're the, the source of everything and, um, you know, kind of you've reached the point of, you know, the pinnacle of things, Number one, you're, you're probably not a very nice person because I've met some people like that and they're kind of rude. Um, not, I don't want to make a generalized statement. It's not everyone, but I have dealt with some people like that. But I think as leaders, we need to continue becoming better, right? And I, I think it's a viewpoint thing because when you approach life as somebody that's trying to learn and trying to improve and trying to become better, you also deal with others in that same way, right? Like, okay, well, this person didn't complete this task. Well, maybe they don't understand the whole thing. Yeah. You know, maybe there was something missing in there that maybe we could write a, Maybe we could write a better job description. Maybe we could write a better process, whatever it may be. Like, it's not always the person's fault. And I think when you're approaching leadership with that viewpoint, you're going to look at things differently. I agree with that so much because I think it's very interesting. I was having this conversation with somebody recently and somebody said to me, oh, they didn't call me back. And I immediately thought, oh my goodness, what did I do wrong? (laughs) We've got to look at ourselves first because we may be the cause of, why something didn't happen the way that we might have expected or wanted it to happen. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's very true. It's taking it from, from that perspective. So what are you learning? What are you focusing on? I'm weird, Rebecca. Um, I'm very weird. I read history books a lot. Um, so I read a lot of like biographies and autobiographies and history books. So I just read one not long ago called The Great Bridge uh, by David McCullough. Um, it's about uh, uh, Washington Roebling, the guy that built the, the uh, Brooklyn Bridge. Very, very interesting. He got so sick during the building that his wife actually ran the entire thing. And this was like in the early 1900s. Very interesting. Um, but I tend to find there's a lot you can learn by people that have tried to do things that seem like they're unfathomable unfathomable or unattainable or things like that. So I read a lot of things like that. Um, I'm also doing a lot of like classics. So I'm reading a lot of... Um, uh, like Plutarch and things like that. So I'm, I'm always interested in, in history and things I can learn from it. And is that because you take lessons from that that help you with where you are now and inspire you in a way? I, th- I think so, because I think there's, there's a, 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 he's passed on now, but there used to be a radio guy named Paul Harvey. Um, and Paul Harvey always had the quote, 
you know, in times like these, it's important to remember there have always been times like these. And I think the more we look at history, the more we can see like how we got to different places, what the ramifications of those things are. Cause we've all the things we're doing now, we've done them before in some way, shape or form. So I think there's so much that can be learned from that and how we respond to things and how we react to things and, you know, how we approach them. I just think there's a lot to be learned from history. I'm not particularly into history, so it's interesting that you- I'm a nerd, I can't help it. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's, you're, you're a nerd, it's just a very interesting, we can learn from our past. Um, I hung out in the Bodleian Library for hours, so trust me, it's, it's I'm a weird person. <laughs> what three practical steps or pieces of advice would you give to our listeners about growing a business? So you, you've shared some already, but mm-hmm. something something else that you would say, you know, these these three things, you've talked about systems and you've talked about your leadership style. What yeah. other three practical pieces of advice would you, would you give? Well, the one I would say is one people wouldn't think of as my first one and my key one. And that's, you know, handle yourself first. Um, you know, make sure your health is good. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're giving yourself space to think your, your fitness is good. Because if, you're not in a good place, you're not going to treat others well, and you're not going to respond to other things well. So as shocking as it is, if you want business to go well, handle yourself first, like that's really, really important. Um, The other thing as well, is really, it's really important to have an ongoing like training program for your employees. Because I think like growth and experience and how people are expanding is really, really vital to how you expand. Um, So that needs to be a really big key component of what you're doing. Um, the other thing is, as well, the third thing I would say is you really need to be considering, you always need to be introducing your brand and your company to new people. So PR and getting connected and getting out there and getting seen and creating trust is vital. You need to become the educator in your space because you need, can't take for granted that everybody understands what you do, why you do it, you know, what's happening with it. But to, to me, that would be like three really key things is handle yourself first, because if you're doing well, things tend to do better. You know, you kind of get a lot of what you put your attention on. So if you're not doing so well, you're going to create some not so great things. Um, You should always be offering continuing education for your staff because people should be growing and expanding and it's going to help you. And then as as well, um, you need to always be educating other people on what you do and why you do it. And that's what you do primarily for other people, I assume. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what we do. Because if you become the educator in your space, that is really, really key to growing your brand because people see you, number one, as somebody that's out there to help. Number two, they actually understand what you do. So many people take for granted that everybody understands what they do. I think it's very easy to do that, isn't it? When you are in the thick of your business, you think everybody understands it. <laughs> might, not well be, might not be the case at all. It's, it's really hard because I think sometimes, especially as new business owners, like, we're just trying to keep the lights on, but you have to understand, like, if you become an educator, what you do, that becomes less of a struggle and, you know, kind of more of a way to create more conversations, right? Like one of the things that I turned off early on is I'd say, oh, well, you know, like people that just want to chat with me for 15 minutes, I don't take their time. I do that now. Um, and I've done that for a couple of years now because there's always something you can learn from that. There's always something you can pick up from that. And you never know who that person knows. So you always need to be finding a way to be telling other people about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, such a good point. And let's just go back to leadership. What do you think the leaders of the future, what skills do you think they need to have? More soft skills, frankly, which is a lot of the big things we don't learn in school. Like, 
you know, how to understand how somebody's doing emotionally, understanding how people respond to different types of leadership, right? Like, um, I'm somebody, I want other people to be rough on me because I've been an athlete. So that's just how I respond to things. Other people need more love. That's how they are. But understand that people have different leadership styles they respond to. So soft skills are the thing. And they're the things we don't learn in school, right? They're totally skipped over. But I think we're, we're going to see schooling and things change a lot in the future um, because it's a lot of the things we're teaching people, they don't actually use in life. So I think it's going to become more about the soft skills of leadership. And that's really dealing with people emotionally, really learning how to get people on board what you're doing. Um, and at the same time, the one a lot of people initially hate, and that's learning how to speak to groups, because you have to be able to do that if you're going to lead. You have to be able to be out in front talking. And I think that's really, really important. How do you do that, Jeremy? How do you bring in the soft skills with your team? How do you understand what your team need, what type of um, inspiration they need, what type of approach they need? How do you about doing that? Well, part of it is I've always been somebody that's that's read a lot on human relationships. So I think that as well is important. Like I'm a, you know, I'm not an avid reader. I'm a rabid reader. So I'm always reading on human relationships and, and things like that. Um, I think as well, um, and it may seem like a, a basic thing, but not a lot of companies even remember to have quarterly reviews. Like we always have those as the space for our staff to even tell us how they're doing. Um, so that's really important as well. Um, it's, so to me, it's always educating myself on emotions, always making sure there's a place for people to talk. Um, and at the same time, realizing I'm going to mess up sometimes and that's okay as well. So it's, it's always being willing to learn from, from what people are, are, are doing around me. I know that's probably not the best response, but it's been kind of, you know, like life experience, frankly. Well, I think there's an element of, you know, if you step up to being a leader, um, and, strive to be a leader you put yourself out there you also put yourself in a state of vulnerability yes you can fail at that yeah so it's it's being bold as well to to take that leap and yeah like 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 here's the thing about that like you've probably worked for people before that you're kind of like oh I can't go talk to them like everybody on my team knows they can talk to me about whatever's going on I don't know why they just have always done that I'm that friend that when people's lives are all going to crap, they call me and say, Jeremy, what do I do? And I'm like, well, we talk about it. Like, so I don't know, like, it's just kind of how I've always been in a person and something I've grown more into, like the older I've gotten. Um, but that's also something that's always just kind of been around me as I've been willing to listen. And, you know, I don't want to say I give great advice, but I, I try to at least, you know, listen to people and see how I can help. What, as we begin to wrap up, Jeremy, what, last piece of advice would you like to leave with our audience we like to ask the question what would you tell your younger self that you know now so you could either answer that or give a separate piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with I would say I would say to my younger self I was always somebody that was really really impatient um, so I would say you know enjoy the journey where you're at and learn what you can from it right now um, because everything I failed at I learned something from and you know, continue to put that vision in front of you and work towards it. But, you know, be okay with the present because there's something to learn in it. There always is. Meaning yeah. that present moment is a bit tough. There's always some golden nugget in it which you will benefit from. There's been some tough present moments too, right? Like the first version of this company, we had a different business partner and things like that. And I didn't make any money for six months after we split. And I had to figure out how to pay my team. And I never missed a paycheck. And that's something I take a lot of pride in. I missed a ton. My staff never missed any. And I think at the same time, it's those moments that, you know, number one, teach us who we really are. 
And number two, we learn so that doesn't happen again. Yeah. Very good advice. Very good thoughts there. Uh, how come our listeners get in touch with you? How, or is anything next over to you now to, to share maybe some special projects you're working on or how sure. our students can get in touch with you? Well, they can check me out. Um, I'm at Jeremy Ryan Slate on all platforms. Uh, commandyourbrand.com is where they can check out our company. Um, also, as you mentioned in the intro, I have a, a book coming out on June 21st called Unremarkable to Extraordinary. And it's a lot of the lessons I've learned around adversity, leadership, and, and things from you know, the, the nearly a thousand guests I've interviewed on my own show. And uh, you can get that over at getextraordinarybook.com. And if they head over there and uh, pre-order or order through there, we'll give them a free version of the audiobook as well as our guide of 30 days to extraordinary. So that is getextraordinarybook.com. Well, that does sound brilliant. I should be heading over there myself to uh, get a listen and a copy of that. That's fantastic. And we'll make sure we put the link to it in the show notes. Well, thank you so much. Jeremy, it's been amazing to, to chat with you. Thank you so much indeed for giving your time to, to be with us. Really, did, really do appreciate it. Thank you. Rebecca, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I know, like, you know, there's so many people that you could have on the show and you chose to have me on today. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rgen, rjen.co.uk website.